0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the show. I want to introduce you to Deepak Chopra. Many of you have heard me talk about him and have actually heard me talk with him. I'm here talking today about his new book, but I have to tell you, it really is a conversation about much more. And the book I'm referring to is Buddha, the Story of Enlightenment. Deepak, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Uh, In reading the book, I couldn't help be struck by the fact that, wow, Are we talking about Buddha, or are we really talking about each and every one of us here?
1: Well, the story is very human. It's uh, about a person who's just as vulnerable and uh, has the same questions that you and I have. Uh, What is the meaning of our existence? Where do we come from? Uh,
0: Uh, The book is, I I read it. I was so struck by the parallels uh, in this journey of this uh, young individual and so many of our lives and you had pointed out that, really, this is these are questions that each and every one of us explore. And I wanted to ask you, how so was this true for you as you wrote the book?
1: Well, I, you know, went into medicine because I wanted to understand the nature of consciousness. And I realized that uh, uh, our training was not uh, one that allowed us to actually understand the deeper questions of our existence. Uh, where do we come from? What's the meaning and purpose of our lives? Do we have a soul? What is the nature of consciousness? Where does it come from? Um, what happens to us after we die? Why is there suffering? And I think these are existential conundrums that everyone has. And uh, this young man, Siddhartha, who was born a prince and um, uh, had the same dilemmas as everyone else has. But rather than looking for outside authority, most people resort resort to no religion or no dogma or ideology or belief systems. He did not do that. He said, if there's anything we can be certain about, is uh, there's only one thing, and that is that we exist. So he asked himself, what is the nature of existence? And through very simple, mindful practices, he realized that everything in the relative is impermanent. He observed his breath, and he saw that it arises and it subsides. He observed his thoughts, and he realized that they arise and they subside. He observed his emotions, and he realized that they arise and they subside. And then he looked at everything, and he said if it exists in space-time, then it is impermanent, and not only is it impermanent, It is the result of everything else. He looks at a flower and he says, it's not just a flower, it's uh, rainbows and sunshine and earth and water and wind and air and the infinite void and the whole universe. So he came to some simple conclusions. The relative is impermanent. The separate self does not exist. Everything is interconnected and interdependently co-arising. But there's a reality that is beyond all this, and that reality we call nirvana, which is consciousness. The consciousness which is beyond your thoughts is also the consciousness beyond every other intelligent activity of the universe. And he realized that this consciousness is what gives rise to perception, to thoughts, to feelings, to emotions, to social interactions, to personal relationships, to the environments that we create and ultimately even the forces of nature. And he said, get in touch with that and it will set you free. It will be your ticket to freedom.
0: You know, Deepak, there's there's a a couple of things in the book that I was really struck by, and one of the questions or one of the conversations was, I think, Siddhartha and uh, his father. And one of the statements that father made was, without creating fear, you can't get respect. Without respect, you can't have peace among potential enemies. And I was so struck by that sentence and by that statement, and I wanted to understand more from your perspective, the meaning in that?
1: Well, his father is what we call the old paradigm. This is how President Bush is behaving right now. <laughs> and this is how the world behaves. It's old paradigm. And it it's old paradigm even in Siddhartha's time, 2,500 years ago. And that's the kind of thinking that leads to metaphors of violence and ultimately violent thinking and violent behavior and ultimately war. So we use metaphors for violence for everything, the war on drugs, the war on AIDS, the war on poverty, the war on terrorism. So um, those metaphors actually become reality for us, and they never offer creative solutions. So in contrast to his father, Siddhartha was looking for creative solutions rather than violent solutions.
0: How did you come to write this book on, on the Buddha?
1: I've lived with those stories all my life. I know the places where he was born, where he lectured, where he gave his first sermon, where he got enlightened, where he died. So, um, you know, it's part of traditional Indian lore and history. But ultimately, I decided to write this book when I lost my own father Mm -hmm. and started to think about the same uh, things that he
0: would think. And and as I was reading this book, I, it, there were many, 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 many times in the book where I stopped to actually reflect on life today and, and each and every one of us, the struggles right. we go through. I mean, there are yeah. spiritual obstacles in all of our lives, as it, it, such with you, isn't there?
1: Right. And that's the unique thing about this man, that he was not looking for answers through religion, but through a secular spirituality, which was Practical.
0: And uh, there are so many lessons in the book that reflect where we are today in our time, and it's as if we haven't learned anything.
1: Well, I think there's a slowly there's an awakening consciousness, and uh, if it ever reached critical mass, it would change the world. And that was what he said.
0: So, in the book, there's uh, also a conversation and a statement that's made, and it's and the statement has stayed with me for a while. It, and it goes, don't worry about demons, worry about men who have taken evil to heart. And as I read that statement, I was struck by the times we live in right now.
1: Evil is our selective uh, shadow. What we call evil today uh-huh. in society is the projection of our collective shadow. And so rather than fighting evil, we should confront our own demons and understand them and embrace them and uh, bring the light of awareness to them. And then if we do that, we diminish what we call evil in the world. It's what Christ also said, you know, judge not, lest you be judged, or he who is without sin cast the first stone.
0: This is uh, certainly a story and a lesson for many of us to take into our lives, but it boils down to each and every one of us creating that place of love and kindness. Doesn't that really... Uh, talk to what contributes or what could contribute to today's shift in consciousness?
1: Well, I think one person at a time. The only way you can change the world is to be the change yourself. As Mahatma Gandhi said, can you be the change you want to see in the world? And we are units of consciousness, and if, there are, if there's a critical mass of people who are shifting, then um, the world will change because the world is who we are.
0: You have done so much to... Uh bring us along, so to speak, uh, in, in the journey to help us understand who we are and what our life is about. As I read this book, there are many people that will read this book as well. What have been the key moments for you in writing the book that help you shift yourself to the next level?
1: Well, I've been thinking of this um, book for the last uh, 25 years. Mm. It's uh, been a very gradual shift for me and it's uh, my continued exploration into the world of consciousness. How does it give rise to everything that we call reality? But I wanted to re-look at, uh, do another look at it from, uh, get a fresh perspective and I said, why not do it through the experiences of Siddhartha, the prince who became Gautama, the monk and ultimately Buddha, the enlightened being.
0: Have there been points in time in either writing the book or in your own journey where we, you thought perhaps there wasn't hope for us?
1: You no, know, I've always looked at um, the possibility that there's no uh, problem in the world that doesn't have a creative solution, that the field of human consciousness is um, a field of infinite possibilities. And that's indeed what it is. It's a field of infinite possibilities, a field of infinite correlation, a field of infinite creativity, a field of infinite interconnectedness. And today we can look at this from a scientific perspective as well. So for me, there's always been the hope that enough of us uh, happen to this field.
0: You know, it's, it's really interesting. I was doing a show the other day, and one of my listeners asked a question that I'm going to ask you today. Uh, he asked the question, do we all have to struggle to get to enlightenment?
1: We don't have to struggle. Most people do struggle because they, um, they think about enlightenment when they're in crisis, when they lose a family member, when they confront death, sickness, old age. We don't have to do that. A lot of people seek enlightenment when they're in addictive behaviors or get caught up in that. But we don't have to do that. You know, and that's the whole point of the story: is that even he discovered that struggle was futile.
0: And you know, I know that uh, you are. Um, you talk both about Buddha and Jesus. And uh, the question that I would ask is, uh, from your perspective, what are the parallels?
1: The parallels are many. I mean, the idea of interconnectedness, the f- fact that uh, we are all existing in each other's consciousness. Uh, when Christ says the kingdom of heaven is within you, he's talking about consciousness, obviously. So the parallels are many, although Christ is, of course, a product of his uh, rabbinical tradition. So there is a little bit of the Old Testament idea of punishment and Sin, what um, Christ calls sin, is um, um, Buddha calls ignorance and delusion, and the idea of uh, separation. So there are some parallels, and there are some differences as well. There's no punishment Mm -hmm. judgment
0: in in this world. I mean, right now, Deepak, we are hearing so much about abundance, about prosperity, uh, and, and the question that comes up is, how do we achieve this? this level of abundance and prosperity that people want, and at the same time maintain uh, the balance in our spiritual path?
1: Well, when the need for abundance or the desire for abundance, uh, if it is confused with greed, then there's no balance. Uh Uh, You know what Mahatma Gandhi said, there's uh, enough in the world to feed everyone, but not enough to feed even one person's greed. So, you know, when you get attached to the idea of abundance as the source of your happiness, then you have a problem. Money does not create happiness. Weapons do not create security, and technology does not create well-being. So uh, we should recognize that all fulfillment comes from within. Having said that, then nature is abundant, nature is lavish, and nature is um, generous. And if you get in touch with your own nature then you should have those attributes
0: too. You know, as as I went through and I read the book and, and, and I was so struck <coughs> by uh, the, the point in time where uh, uh, enlightenment uh, <laughs> was discovered by Buddha, so to speak, or his right. experience. And the question that I have is, you know, do each of us in this world, are we on a journey to find our own fig tree?
1: Yes, uh, everybody is on a journey uh, ultimately to find freedom. And that freedom is within themselves—the freedom to create what we want, the freedom to get in touch with that part of ourselves that does not die, the freedom to create conscious choices, the freedom mm. to nurture relationships, the freedom to create, uh, as you said, abundance as well.
0: There's a statement in the book at the end, uh, and. Uh, um Siddhartha is, is speaking, and he says, I begin this new age so that you can continue it. And I I had such a strong feeling, Deepak, that that's a statement that you could have said just as well.
1: Well, a lot of us, I mean, we're all part of a wave of consciousness that is now in the world, and we should consider ourselves fortunate to be part of the transition team.
0: As you go around talking to many people and doing this this interview, what's the personal message? What would you like to leave with our listeners?
1: Well, first of all, if you want to change the world, be the change yourself Mm -hmm. to do something that makes a difference. And number three, uh, connect with other people who share your passion. If you do those three things, you're on a good journey.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today and and spending time and talking about the book. I want to mention to everyone, um, I'm thrilled to be uh, speaking with Deepak Chopra. The book is Buddha, A Story of Enlightenment. Uh, Are we to expect a movie soon?
1: (laughs) Um, There are lots of movie offers right now, so let's see what happens.
0: Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today and uh, for taking time out of your, your busy schedule.